Alright, and welcome to BO Boys for Monday, April 26th. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And Pat, we had a crazy weekend at the box office and yep. a crazy night at the Oscars last night. So, so much so to much. cover. I mean, it was, I would say, a great weekend for box office and a shit show at the Oscars. So it's, oh, a yes. mix, it's a mixed bag for movies. I would say a net positive because in the end, the thing that matters most is box office, not awards. But the Oscars tried their hardest to put a stain on what happened at the box office. But we're going to say they couldn't do it. No, no, because we have two big wow debuts. Just wow. Number one, Mortal Kombat, $22.5 million in its first weekend. Number two, Demon Slayer, the movie, $19.5 million. Wow. Number three. Godzilla versus Kong made $4.2 million, down only 46%, for a cum of $86.5 million in four weeks, mm-hmm. four weekends. Number four, nobody, hanging tight, $1.8 million, down only 26%. It is now at $21.6 million in five weekends. Number five, Raya and the Last Dragon, $1.6 million, down 13%. It is now at $39.8 million in its eighth weekend. Box office is back, baby. It's back. It's back. And and just to let the new listeners know, because we probably have a lot of new listeners. We, we were guests on the most recent episode of Get Rich Nick, one of the most popular podcasts in the world. And we assume a lot of new people are coming this episode. Just we got the you bump. Know, we got the get rich Nick bump. Yep. Loving that bump. But just to let the new bumpers know, what we just did is we plowed through the top five. It's something we do every week. People love it. So, you know, join the party, get on board. You're gonna love it too every week. We do we plow through the top five, but now we analyze this top five. Clayton, what is your first gut? raw reaction when you look at this top five what does that make you feel how do these numbers make you feel makes me feel positive makes me feel positive especially looking at that top two Mm -hmm. yeah because we got to remember okay these this is the thing about warner brothers we gave them so much shit about day and date the day and date hbo max in the Mm -hmm. theaters look at this number with with theaters still a lot of places at 25% 25% or 33% or whatever, you're getting 22 mil from this movie. A movie that Amazing. is available at home. Yeah. It, it People are out and seeing films they chose. They chose the theater over HBO Max. Yeah, it's, it's a number. $22.5 million for Mortal Kombat is a number that... I don't think feels off from what it would have made had there been no pandemic, had there been no Mortal Kombat on HBO Max, 
if this just came out in normal times, twenty-two yes. million dollars feels about right for what it would have made, which is mind blowing. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we could we could talk more in depth about my latest in theater experience, but I saw this in the theaters on Friday, and it was a sold out showing. But sold out showing with these regulations means that it was at best a third full auditorium, but. Every single seat they were allowed to sell was sold because the demand for this movie was there. So, I I mean, it's it's amazing that this movie was able to make as much as it did. It Yeah, it's like you said, people choose movies. And, you know, we'll get into the Oscars, you know, telecast. Mortal Kombat should have been all over that Oscars. Oh, yeah. You know, the, Sub-Zero the, should have been... Well, I mean, he should have been giving out an award. Yes. But yes. also should have been receiving an award. Yes. Because why and, not? And and the theme of the night should have been you choose movies. Because people have chosen the movies. They have they have chosen we want movies. It's clear. I mean, two movies making around twenty million dollars in the same weekend, there is a, it it looks right. It looks normal. There's no, there's nothing I think in the world right now giving a better sense of comfort than Mortal Kombat opening to twenty two and a half million dollars. And so, just to put this into even more context, the tracking for this mm-hmm. was people were saying twelve to thirteen. Mm-hmm. The highest, other than us, right? People were willing to go was fifteen million for this. And it shattered that, 22.5. I mean, we talked about it on our last episode. You were at 17. I went over. You went over. But I didn't think it was going to reach 20. I even said it. I said, well, I I think it's going to go over 17 because of the hardcore fan base. But I don't think that it's going to reach 20. And it did. And I'm happy to be wrong. These are the moments you're happy to be wrong. Right. When something exceeds the tracking by that much... You can be happy being wrong. Right. That's the, had, that's the greatest thing about the box office is that it is where, it's a place where you are happy being wrong yes. as long as it makes more money. Yes. Yes. We had uh, Brandon uh, on our episode last week, the creator of Box Office Mojo. And great, great episode. Guy. Everyone go back and listen to it. Must and listen. Brandon... Um, went under last week on his Mortal Kombat prediction. He he was not very bullish on this movie. I think maybe he thought that it was a IP of a different time, and he went under. And this weekend, as the numbers started coming in, and Brandon may not run Box Office Mojo anymore, but he's still very much in the know. He's still very much in the game, knows what's going on, plugged in, wired. And he started seeing these receipts coming in and the fact that Mortal Kombat was going to go over. And he texted me, and he didn't text me, God damn it, I was wrong. I look like a fool. I'm, I'm, I'm a fool on the airwaves. You know, take down the episode because I don't want to look foolish. He didn't text that. He texted how excited he was to be wrong. How excited he was that Mortal Kombat was going over. And that is the perfect example of how people view box office. They're happy to be wrong. 
if the movies make money because that is all we care about is the health of the box office. And Mortal what Kombat, else did he text? Did, did he text any kind of congratulations to anybody? He did. He did text tell Clayton congratulations. There we go. There we go. And that is there's there's not other situations where people make a bet and then are happy to be wrong. Sports mm-hmm. gambling. As much as I love sports and just gambling in general, that is not a pure passion the way box office is because sports gamblers are never happy to be wrong. They're never like, I bet the under, but then it went over and I was just happy to see it. There's, yeah, there's ne- Good for there's the Giants. A- they went over. Good for the Giants. Good yeah. for them. There's never a good for the Giants they went over because all they're thinking about is, oh my God, I lost my house. Oh my I'm God, so I fucked. bet my, I'm so fucked, I'm so fucked. I bet my wedding ring. They never think, you know what? It's okay I lost my house. It's okay that my wife and kids are going to leave me because they went over. That doesn't happen in sports gambling, but it happens in box office. Yeah. And that is why box office is more pure than sports gambling, more pure than betting on the horsies. I couldn't have said it better. Now, now, Pat, this God, I, it's, let's it's dig so, into it's, Mortal Kombat. Is this a who is this a win for? We don't, we won't split the millions up yet. But I guess let's let's talk specifically about the IP of Mortal Kombat. It's not something that we were ne- necessarily sure was still relevant. But what does this opening weekend say about the the power of the Mortal Kombat IP? Well, it is strong, mm-hmm. but I th- I think it's it's interesting because the original Mortal Kombat was aimed at because it came out in '95. Mm-hmm. It was aimed at the 13 year olds, the 14 year olds, the 15 year olds who played the video game every Sunday at the arcade, mm-hmm. every Sunday, Saturday, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. This I think was aimed at those same people. Only now they're in their 40s yes. and their 30s. So it was R-rated, which is what the fan base wanted. And that paid off because that's the other thing you got to think about with this film. This is an R-rated film. Mm-hmm. Like Tom and Jerry was PG. So when Tom and Jerry had Buffa Bobo, great opening weekend, anybody could walk in off the street and see that film. Right. That was it, that was part of their of their uh, advertising was just walking off the street no matter who you are and watch Tom and Jerry. Yeah, bring your poor, your tired, right, your wary. Come, come see Tom and Jerry. Yeah, come see Tom and Jerry. No matter who you are, just walk in and sit. So that's an that's also a huge deal. Is that an R-rated film making this much money? Is is awesome, and I think you know some some theater, some theater owners, some people who work at the theater don't necessarily check ID. That's fine, whatever. But I think th- you're still gonna have those theaters. Like when I was a kid and I was 16, and I tried to see Jerry Maguire, and I and they they carded me, and I couldn't see Jerry Maguire. There's still places that exist like that. So right. I am assuming that there were some children turned away from this movie Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and to get that kind of dough from an r-rated ip that was looked at as effectively dead is really impressive yeah 
Yeah, it's it's impressive for the IP, and it's impressive. I am gonna congratulate, and not just because I'm part of of the group getting this congratulation, but I'm gonna congratulate the middle-aged Mortal Kombaters who went out this weekend. I'm gonna congratulate those because this was aimed at those people, like you said, who played the game in the '90s who made the 90s movie a big hit. But then people thought, are they too old to go? Are these, you know, Gen Xers, these slackers who are now aging slackers, are they are they just going to be too old and too slackery to get themselves to the theater at the tail end of a pandemic to support this IP? And this opening weekend says no. This opening weekend says that that generation of, you know, 35 to 50-year-olds, slackers and, and, and former convenience store clerks, they were able to get their shit together, I'll say it, their shit together, to go see this movie in a big way. So congratulations to... Those that generation that people said would never amount to anything that would just be sitting in their garage, looking at their shoes, listening to their grunge music would never amount to anything, would never accomplish anything. This generation went out and accomplished something big. They gave Mortal Kombat an opening weekend that was way higher than the tracking. The slacking beat the tracking this weekend. That is that is for goddamn sure. That is that. See, that should be the deadline headline. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they're cowards. They're cowards. Right. Slackers be trackers. So let's look a little bit at Mortal Kombat's dem- demographics here. Sixty-seven percent male, which is not a surprise. It was a very heavily male skewing weekend. It feels like when we, you yeah. know, looking at that top five, and we'll get into more of that with Demon Slayer. But pretty broad audience. Thirty percent Caucasian. African-American, 25% Hispanic, 9% Asian, and 7% Native American. Great. So this was a popular movie across a swath of diverse people. It seemed like a lot of different people like to see spines getting shattered, arms Mm -hmm. getting cut off, guts Mm -hmm. getting splattered. And so 18 to 34 demo... 43% 43% was in the 18 to 34 demo. So that leaves, mm-hmm. if I'm doing my math correctly, 57% that was probably older than that. Wow. So 57%, that would be 34 and up. Yes. Or older than 34. Impressive. The I slackers. mean, I, the slackers came through in a big way. Big way, a big moment for Gen X. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 showed that this is one of the few things that penetrated. And I say there, I mean our skulls, when we were when we were just young teenagers who didn't give an f about anything, who thought it was all bogus, who thought it was all lame. We we looked at everything and we were like lameless. And this one thing really got through to us, and that was Mortal Kombat, and it stuck 
with our slacker generation, our don't give an F attitude, but we gave an F about Mortal Kombat. And so- and even in our middle-aged state, even in our, you know, I'm not going to say decrepit, but in onset of decrepitness, it's, it's an onset of that. It's, a, you know, it, it may take a decade, but, but it's starting. And even in that onset of decrepitness, Gen X was able to get on their skateboards, you know, get on our, uh, pretty much just skateboards that was our thing we got on our skateboards and we got ourselves mostly i would hope to the mall and looked around god i can't believe how much is closed you know some of this is covid but most of it is just mall culture having ended since the last time i left the house but we found that mall theater and we honored one of the few things that got through to gen x and that's mortal kombat so you you went to the theater to see this movie. This is your yes. third weekend in a row supporting yeah. theatrical films. So thank you, number one. Yeah, and just just for all the the bumpers who have joined us, the Get Rich Nick bump, new fans. I am vax and waxed, so I am doing it in a in a in a safe way, vax and waxed and ready to go back to the theater. Get yourself so vax you- and waxed. Listen, I don't know. I don't profess to know what's in it. We don't know what's in it. But if if the result of it is going to be you could go see movies, does it even matter? So just get Vax and Wax and go to the theater. So you went to the Nighthawk, which is a small theater, New York, mm-hmm. yep. that serves food. So you went. Yes. You, got your, you got a pasta dinner. Got a pasta dinner. And you got to get it? a pasta dinner. Because last time you did not get the pasta dinner. It was outstanding because listen, who who I don't I don't profess to to, to know uh, to even be able to tell whether it was well made or not. That's beyond the point. The the food tasted good because I was sitting in a movie theater, vax and waxed, leaning back, a, a decent sized you know, table tray pulled out in front of me and I'm eating my pasta dinner while I am watching a brand new movie. So it doesn't matter what they put in that bowl. The bowl's going to taste good. So, so did you, were you at all put off slurping up pasta while watching, you know, characters entrails falling on the ground? Was that at all off-putting? No, no. If anything, it 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 provided the nice symmetry that you usually don't get while you're having a meal. So I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed everything about. It. And I'm in my normal days. I'm not usually big on the full dinner in theater experience. I like to have dinner before or afterwards, and use that as like here's a separate thing. But right now, it's just something I haven't even experienced in over a year. So it was it was great to just have this new thing. I don't know if this is what I'm going to do normally, have a pasta dinner while watching a movie all the time. And then something like that is not available at most AMCs. And AMC is going to be where I do most of my movie viewing. But 
for this movie, it it just it felt right. I think it's I think we're in Caligula times right now. People mm-hmm. are people are just doing that kind of stuff, having the full pasta dinner at yeah. at the theater when they normally wouldn't. But one last question about the the pasta dinner. Yeah. Was it a bunch of small meatballs or one big meatball? It was it was there's no one big meatball. Have you seen big meat one big meatball as the new norm? Was I No, I, I was just I wondering. Like, I was just no. wondering. Sometimes they have one big meatball. Yeah, no, it was it was not one big meatball. Okay. Yeah. So Though that th- that could have been a nice movie specific tie-in to like shape one giant meatball as a heart. Mm. You know, that way you, you save that until the part when Kano pulls out a heart and then you just full bite into the one giant heart-shaped meatball. Everybody just picks it up at once. That would be great. That that is a lot on the kitchen staff to know that. All right, this pasta dinner, the meat and meatball is for someone watching Mortal Kombat, but this pasta dinner and meatball might just be for someone watching, um, you know, the unholy. In which case, the giant meatball has no similarity to anything they're viewing. Well, have you seen the unholy? No, I have not. So. Maybe might be maybe the, to all movies. You never know. Yeah, yeah, there might be a way, but but that's a lot of coordination with this kitchen. So I don't want to. I don't want to put that evil on them. Well, let's move on to number two. Okay. And before we get there, I just want you to keep in mind. So Mortal Kombat opened at three thousand seventy three theaters, which was the largest opening of the pandemic. So that shows you another reason why this movie made Bafa Bobo. Hmm. Demon Slayer, the movie, a Funimation anime film, made 19.5. It was in 1,605 theaters. It had a per theater average of $12,000. Wow. So this is crazy, but this is also... A very interesting film mm-hmm. to talk about during this time because of how it over-indexes in its first weekend, these kind of films, but then pretty much completely disappears because it's got such a rapid fan base that they buy tickets early. This this movie was uh, outselling Mortal Kombat tickets. And they, that's why everybody thought Demon Slayer had a chance to be Mortal Kombat, and it, it was close. But it's because people who like these movies will buy early. And a Mortal Kombat fan, they'll maybe buy early, but not uh, there. there's some walk-up things. There's last minute, all that stuff. But if you're going to go see Demon Slayer, you had this planned out for months. Mm-hmm. And this is the perfect type of movie for the new system of theaters where... You have it in there for two weekends, and then you put it on PVOD. So this movie, you know, we we talked domestic, but it's also, man, it is a worldwide blockbuster at $450 million already. So $19.5 million opening here. Is this feel like the start of something to you, or... You know, where where this movie has a chance to become 
a full-on big blockbuster here, or no. you think this is PVOD in a few weeks is going to be its natural home? Well, the funny thing is, is this thing isn't going to PVOD until uh, June or something. They're okay. not doing the small They're, window for this, gotcha, which is amazing. Gotcha. I, I'm going to admit, anime is a blind spot for me. Mm-hmm. We didn't mm-hmm. even preview this film last weekend. And the reason being is that we were, we were talking to Brendan. We had a lot to talk about the history of Box Office Mojo, mm-hmm. all these interesting things. Mortal Kombat was the big movie. And so we didn't really talk about Demon Slayer, but I think if we would have just been by ourselves, we would have had a little bit of Demon Slayer talk. Mm-hmm. I don't, and I'm going to just, from what I see and what I'm reading, these movies do very well first weekend. They can hang out. I mean, this could pro- this is probably going to be in the top five for a week or two, but it doesn't have that, oh, uh, it doesn't have what it takes for, the blockbuster because you're going to have a very hardcore fan base who will see it multiple times, but you're not going to get newbies coming in. I'm not going to see this poster and be like, oh, this did really well. I'm going to see Demon Slayer because it's not my thing. I think anime is either your thing or it's not your thing. And it's also not getting the mainstream publicity and marketing push that Immortal Kombat is getting. You know, Mortal Kombat is getting TV ads. Mortal Kombat is getting... Uh, pop-up ads. Demon Slayer is probably only getting pop-up ads, but less pop-up ads than Mortal Kombat, and definitely well, Demon- no television. Demon Slayer is getting Cartoon Network Adult Swim push, right? But that's right. a very specific audience. It's that audience. It's right. It's preaching to the choir. Right, right, right. And 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 there, when you're putting money on Adult Swim ads. It's such a crapshoot because the audience there is just expecting every ad to be to be fake. They're expecting every ad to be be part of some kind of uh, programming. So it, I don't even know how useful ads on on Cartoon Network and Adult Swim even are when you've got an audience uh, of people composed to think that all the advertising is is uh, part of a, a TV show. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean this. This was so great to see. You know, to me, this is what really helped make this box office weekend so uplifting and and so joyous is that there was that second movie that was a hit. Because that is something we have not really seen in these last few months where the box office has come back. To see two movies opening to Baffa Bobo is... That's another new experience, and that's another new sign that things have gotten better. Mm-hmm. Because so, you but, you used to have that in the before times. Obviously, we did have weekends where several movies open to huge to huge numbers, and everyone's happy. Yeah, it, it's it's it is, but it is rare to see two movies race it out like this. I was hoping yeah. it would be closer, and it'd be a nail biter. But mm. it, it by Sunday we kind of knew. I was hoping it'd be a Monday. We waiting for the Monday update, and it's by point something percent. But it's still, I mean, I can't complain. I can't complain at all. Do you have any demo breakdown for Demon Slayer? The oh, way you better believe it. Kombat? Let's let's hear some it. of that demo breakdown. My guess is going to be there's a lot of overlap, and my guess is there's going to be a lot of people who went to two movies this weekend. That's 
I think that's a big thing. I think that's that's huge. So it's 59% male, which is lower than Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of female anime fans. 73% were between 18 and 34. So that is heavily young skewing. Mm-hmm. Diversity mix of 35% Hispanic, 27% Caucasian, 21% Asian, and 17% Black. So this is a, another very diverse film bringing right. in all different types of people, which is great. These are the kind of things that when you put them in the theater, you're going to get Bafa Bobo because you're drawing from so many different corners. Yeah, it's it's this is one of those situations where we see that box office is such a unifying force across the world. Box office brings people together. Yeah, and 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 I mean, I wish I knew more about this film. I am a fan of this film now because of yes. what it did in yes. the, the theaters that it did. That yes. is insane to have a twelve thousand dollar per screen average. Yeah. Yeah. It shows that the demand for this was through the roof. I'm going to offer one more congratulations right now. We congratulated the Gen Xers, the slackers who, the slackers who beat the trackers. I got to congratulate the twofers right now. The double dippers who this weekend went out and saw both of these movies in the theater. Because looking at these demos, looking at these numbers, you know there was a lot of overlap. So there are people out there, and I'm not one of them. I, I was a slacker who beat the tracker, but I was not a double dipper who went out and saw both Mortal Kombat and Demon Slayer opening weekend. And the people out there who did that, bravo. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, th- those are you're the true heroes. You're the warriors of the box office. Mm-hmm. Thank you for going out there. You're paving the way. Yeah, if you're a double dipper who went out there and saw both, email us at the Boys Podcast at gmail.com. We want to tell your story on the show next week. Let us know how you did it. Did you space them out a day apart? Did you do it two in one day? Did you do it sneak? We love a sneak, but right now we're looking to juice those numbers. So we, we'd, we'd prefer people to actually pay for tickets for both the movies. Don't sneak now. Don't sneak now. Sneak later. Yeah, sneak when it's healthy to sneak. Um, uh, you if, you have to, if you have to sneak, sneak. You know, everyone needs to survive. So if sneaking is the only way, then sneak into the movies. But if you are able to purchase tickets for two movies, we encourage that. I feel like we'll know that box office is truly back mm-hmm. when we give the green light to sneak. Yes. 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 Because that's when you know the box office is fat and happy. Mm-hmm. And it's it's more of a, I just want to see more movies. There's too many to see. Right. And, right. I, got, and I have this weekend, and I'm just going to do two movies. Right. Right. We're because not there's there so yet. much out, and and ev- and everybody's excited, and so many people are going to see movies, and you can blend in. You can't sneak now. It's 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 there's only twenty five percent 
capacity, you're, where are you going to sit? Right, right, right. This the assigned seating is 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 uh is kept so so stringent right now, you know, and you can't just sit on the floor. You can't you can't just sneak and 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 slump into an into an empty seat. Pull your coat up over your face. I guess right now everyone's in masks, so in theory that would help you sneak. But unless you have different masks, these ushers are probably been trained to remember masks, you know? So if you're going to sneak, you've got to have that second mask to throw them off. But I think but, even with that, it's the assigned seating is going to be what does you in. They 100% see you as a mask. You're yeah. just now a mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would think that that's part of the training that the ushers have been going through post-COVID is... Obviously, making a show of cleaning and, you know, making sure that spacing is correct. They probably have a, a really good feel for spatial distance, you know, what six feet looks like now if you're an usher. But they've probably been trained to memorize masks. So if you're going to sneak, you're going to have to bring at the least a secondary mask. But that all said, don't sneak now. So if you're a double dipper who paid for two tickets this weekend, saw Demon Slayer and Mortal Kombat, shoot us an email, the boboyspodcastgmail.com. We want to tell your story. If you know of someone who did this, you know, maybe you didn't do it, but you're a listener of the show when you know a family member who went to see both movies this weekend. Yeah, friend of the family, right. your sisters, your sister's friends, husbands, right. ex-wife right. for some reason told him about it. Right. Right. That's weird. I mean, nip that in the bud. But listen, there's a lot of family situations out there now. There's a lot of yeah. ways to make up a family. And if that person is comfortable with you telling their story, it's their story to tell. So yes. you've got to ask them. If this is not you doing it directly, if you're telling us about someone you know, do make sure that they are comfortable with you telling their story. Hopefully they are. And if they and, and are... If we, if, if we get an email that starts with... I know this isn't my story to tell. We won't read the rest of it. Right, 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 right. So just make sure that if it's not you, if you're telling someone else's story, they have given you the permission to email the boboyspodcast at gmail.com. And we want to hear about the double dippers who made both Mortal Kombat and Demon Slayer twin hits this weekend. Now, the uh, rest of the top five, I mean, Godzilla's still doing its thing. Nobody mm. holding strong, looking good. We love this. We love that it. it's still mm. in the 1.8 million area, only dropping 26%. Raya, mm, I mean, there's not really much to say. Yeah. So, so looking at these three, I think the big obvious takeaway is you look at Godzilla versus Kong, drop 46%. And nobody... Dropped 26%, which isn't a huge drop, but is much bigger than its drop last weekend. Last weekend, it was a single-digit drop. 6%, I I believe. Yeah. So I think what is clear here is they lost a lot of audience to these male-skewing action movies, Mortal Kombat, Demon Slayer. Those, Those are people who may have, if they hadn't already seen it, may have gone to see Godzilla versus Kong or nobody this weekend. Yeah. 
But, but Unholy dropped right out of the top five. That mm-hmm. was holding tight for a little bit. Yeah. And nobody held strong. So that's good. If if Unholy would have been hanging with nobody, mm-hmm. I would have had some questions about nobody. Because Unholy was a Easter horror movie. Right. That hung tighter than we thought, but I think it's because there is no other horror movies mm-hmm. in the theaters, and the horror heads, the gorehounds, right. they needed something. Yeah. And the gorehounds got something with Mortal Kombat, but the horror heads didn't. Right, right. Yeah, the horror heads are, I mean, that's an audience that really can't be satisfied by anything else. So no. they will have to just keep seeing Unholy every weekend. To keep the voices away, to satisfy the urges. So Unholy's going to have that audience to themselves. Well, I guess we could talk about this weekend. There's one new movie coming out. Yeah. And that is a horror movie. So the the horror heads are finally going to have some choice. Unholy is not going to be the only thing that satisfies the urges for them this weekend. Separation separation it's a new horror movie the only person in the cast who i recognized really was brian cox who plays the patriarch on hbo succession so great man great actor maybe not a movie star i think that's pretty soft to say so no big movie stars but i mean it's horror so movie stars don't matter in horror because all that matters is the fact that it is horror yeah. I could see this slotting in right under Godzilla mm-hmm. at number four, pushing nobody to five. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, let's see. What did Unholy open at? Unholy in its opening weekend did... um, God, the, the numbers. Brandon, Box Office Mojo, we know you're listening. I mean... Again, thank you for what you created, and it is just a shame that we have to work with what we have to work with right here. Because I am just trying to look up the numbers dot com. So three point one, three point one. There it is. Three point one. Yeah. So it opened at three point one on April second. So is separation going to open higher? Or lower than the unholy did. Let's use that as our, our over under for the week. Uh, well, uh, in that case, under. In that case, under. Is it because of theater count? Is it because of buzz that you're hearing? Is it because you felt like the unholy was just timed better as an Easter themed horror movie? Why do you feel like it has no chance of topping the unholy's three point one? I, I mean, I think the unholy. I think the unholy was targeted very well. mm Hmm. Talk about a movie that did better than it, or just the same as it would have done if it was released in a normal time. Mm-hmm. I think that we've got stronger competition mm-hmm. with Mortal Kombat and Demon Slayer. Even okay, though I know it's true. horror heads, the horror heads are going to go see this. I don't. I wish we knew how many theaters this was going to land in. It's wide, but I'm assuming they mean wide as in wholly wide which would be about 1800 right so let's assume that separation gets around the same amount of theaters unholy did 1800 theaters you just think unholy better marketed i mean i would say better title unholy 
is such catnip for the horror heads. You know, they it, love when something is, is unholy. They love when something has blood dripping down on a religious figure's face. You know, the, look at, obviously, that opening weekend a few years ago with The Nun was just mm. an absurd opening weekend. So anytime you could mix horror with religious imagery, the horror heads are going to salivate. But, you know, and I don't know They're how gonna much They're going to salivate horror, blood. Uh, yes, and I don't know how how horror heads if they care as much about a name actor being in something mm-hmm. but wasn't jeffrey dean morgan in the unholy right right so he's at it, least a recognizable face from walking dead and, and other films watchmen so there could have been a, an element of that right so then now, you're going under are you going under does this movie make two million dollars plus this does separation get over two million I do need to look up something. Do you know what separation is rated? Oh, that I don't know. So if it is if it is rated PG thirteen, then this is a movie that you're going way under on. Yes. Um, I wish there was easier way to find this. Separation is rated. It does not say on the internet what oh this movie my is rated. Gosh. There's very there is very little. So this here is something though that I could tell you about this movie that may maybe change your mind. This movie is directed by William Brent Bell. William Brent Bell is also the director of your boy Brahms. Brahms the Boy 2. Brahms the Boy 2. Okay, so his, I'm saying that, that it's rated last R. Film. It is rated R, you said. That's that's a plus for this movie. Yes. So and, this, yeah, this mm. director directed The Devil Inside, famous for its marketing campaign, um, famous for its movie review song. Look it up on the internet, Devil Inside movie review song. And he directed both The Boy and Your Boy Brahms, The Boy 2. Well, so the unholy was PG thirteen, and the horror head still went out for it. Right, there. I mean, they're, they 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 just so need to be satiated. They're so thirsty. They're so thirsty. They're salivating blood. You know, that's changing. That's changing my tune now. Right. It's this is an R rated horror movie directed by the man who brought you your boy Brahms. Brahms the boy too. Oh, does it make more than unholy? Oh, that's so. Uh, okay. Here, here, here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna go with the over. Okay. I, I, I the, I'm the only reason I'm going under is because of the competition. Right. Right. Because it is fiercer I, than it was a, a few weeks ago. Yeah. So I will. I'm gonna go under. You go over. I do think it makes more than two. Okay. I mean, definitely yeah. makes more than two. Yeah, I could see this coming in at a nice three point six million. But that would be that would be under. That'd be over. So It'd that's over, what you're yeah. looking at. Yeah. yeah, unholy opened at three point one million. I say this is going to open closer to three point six. All right. So well, that let's... is our box office talk. We plowed. We analyzed. We predicted. And is it time to talk about this Oscars? 
I mean, I think we have to. I think there was. I think there. Uh. So here, I'm gonna plow through just the the big five winners because in the end, you know, there's a million categories. But let's everyone really cares about five categories. So I'm gonna plow through who won these categories. So best picture was won by Nomadland. It was the favorite, and it came through. Nomadland won best picture. Um, supporting actor was Daniel Kaluuya. Um, and then I'm just going to vamp here for a second. Why? What do you need? I'm just blanking on who won some of the other awards. So, okay, right. Best supporting actress was Yu Jung Yoon from Minari. Then... Best Actress was Frances McDormand from Nomadland. And I'm saving this for last because that is what the producer of the Oscars, Steven Soderbergh, did. The last award given out to end the night was Best Actor, which was assumed to be Chadwick Boseman. But instead, Best Actor went to Anthony Hopkins. And the Oscars ended with, and your Best Actor is Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins is not here. I accept this award on his behalf. Good night. And that was how the Oscars ended. So Clayton, did you try to watch this telecast last night? I did, and I apologize because there's a car running very close to me here, so the sound is not going to be great right now. But Listen, if, if you don't put a shade, a lampshade on it, they are not going to notice the light. Uh, They'll notice this. Anyway, I attempted... Listen, we're Oscar watchers. We watch every year. Mm -hmm. Now, we usually have a big Oscar party. Not able to happen this year. So I was pretty much by myself watching this. You were texting and things like that. Texting with friends. This show was so abysmal Mm -hmm. and boring and unrootable. There was no stars to root for. There were no big movies to root for. I turned the Oscars off halfway, not even halfway through. Within the first hour, I turned this this off. Yeah. It's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment mm-hmm. to movies and box office and just award shows in general, although I don't I can't think of a good award show. So I think my take on this is I think this was also an abysmal telecast, not because of who was nominated, what was nominated, whatever. It's pandemic year, more small movies, fine. That's not To me, that's not the problem at all. The problem is the way, and this was produced by filmmaker Steven Soderbergh, produced this telecast. So not someone who has got a background in live television or in award shows produced by Steven Soderbergh, and he produced a joyless, entertainment value-less telecast. Mm -hmm. He shot it to make it look like it was on film, which looked pretty. You're using candles to light this. It's interesting angles, all that. But the problem is there is a reason why the TV producers make it look like what they make it look like. And the reason is it looks like live television that way. It looks like a live event. 
the way Soderbergh shot this, it looked like we were watching, you know, behind the scenes footage of a telecast that took place years ago. It did not look live. It looked crisp and and interesting, but crisp and interesting doesn't necessarily make me think I'm watching a live broadcast where anything could happen. And, and it didn't suit the rambling speeches, the off-the-cuff comments that people made. It was a ramble fest. It was, a ra- it was weird because it's a ramble fest, but again, I don't think it's the problem of like any winners, you know, or nominees, speeches. It's like the way he produced the introductions – to be these those were incri- ramble fests. Those were ramble fests, and but those That's were what I'm scripted. About. Those were scripted ramble fests. It wasn't because they were off the cuff. It's because this telecast had no comedy, had no lightness, and it was purely just these highly scripted, uh, uh, you know, phony love letters from one celebrity to another or one presenter to another without any sense of, hey, there's people on the other side of this glass watching this. Let's put on a show for them. Yes. Soderbergh and his friends were having this weird, you know, sort of hippie congratulations fest and didn't realize that the whole point of it is to entertain the people at home. That's a great point. Where was, where are the dancing Snow Whites? Something. Give me something. They put all of the song per, uh, performances on the pre-show. There was no surprise presenters. I mean, we've talked about it for weeks. You got to have Tom and Jerry up there as animated presenters have Godzilla and Kong open the show to a standing ovation. I mean, maybe it would have been late because the tracking didn't really predict as much for Mortal Kombat, but get Sub-Zero in there in some way. You know, have some of the stars of the recent box office be on there. Have some music. Have some comedians. You know, the, Why the, wasn't the, Will Ferrell dressed up like the octopus from My Octopus Teacher? Yes. Yes. That's the big one. That's the big one. Everyone's talking about this octopus. It's one of the few things that has really broken through to the mainstream of these uh, Oscar nominees this year. Put the put the guy in, a, in an ill-fitting octopus suit. You know, and then Ben Stiller comes out and he's in a different octopus suit. And they're like, wait, they asked me to do the octopus bit. No, I was going to do it. What are you doing here? And then, you know, then Carell comes out in a, in a third octopus suit. And the three of them are arguing over who gets to present best visual effects. Mm-hmm. Something, something. Put someone in an octopus suit last night. It, it, it was a joyless, humorless production of what is. I saw a quote from Steven Soderbergh a few years ago where he's talking about the Oscars. And he's talking about how no one likes going to them because it's a big production and it's not fun to be at. And the thing that's fun to be at is when we're all just at a nice dinner having cocktails. 
And that's what he would want an award show to be. And he even said, he even said in this quote, the big thing is more fun for the viewers, but it's not fun for us going. You're producing a television show, Soderbergh, a television show for the viewers. You want to produce a backyard cocktail party for you and your friends to give 20 minute speeches about the power of each other's artistry. You got a backyard for that. You yeah, got a backyard I, for that. I, I it's to a point where the Oscars has ceased being televisable. Yes, I, I last, think last night's a turning point. Last mm-hmm, night is I, a turning point. I, I do think that this should no longer be on network television, and I think network television might agree after this, because this will be abysmal. I think the last ratings, last year's ratings. Mm-hmm. There was 23.6 million viewers. That was for last year. Right. It's down 20% from the year before. Wow. And last year you had a pretty great Oscars. I mean, we, oh, it we was, loved the Parasite narrative, and you had big great. movies, Once Upon. You had Brad Pitt won uh, an Oscar. Joker is up there nominated. Joker wins Best Actor. So you had, you had a big movie star in Joker there. There's no way that this telecast doesn't go down at least 50%. I think that 15 million wow. people watch this, maybe. Wow. The, I switch mean, that off, would be... the switch off on this had to be insane. I switched it off. I couldn't stand it. It made me uncomfortable. I had a visceral reaction to the production value. Mm-hmm. The the uncanny valley of like you said, seeing this filmed in the way it was filmed, but having people ramble on endlessly. Right, right. When the, we the see film, when we see film, we expect a purely crisp narrative production. We don't expect live ramble in that in that format. Am I watching a Apatow movie or am I watching the Oscars? Right. 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 Everybody's up there doing bad Apatow. Bad Apatow. Yes. This is King of Staten Island level. Exactly. So we let's cover, though, what's important about these Oscar movies, which is their box office. Because Deadline put out an article recently about how the best picture nominees had record low BOs. Okay. And how and I know it's a different year. The Hurt Locker was until last night the lowest had the lowest domestic box office ever for a, a best picture which was 17 million. Mhm. Nomadland they're not even reporting really what it made searchlight. So right now the assumption is it's 2.5. Wow. But then when you look at the other nominees, Promising Young Woman made 6.4 million. Judas and the Black Messiah made 5.4. Minari made 2.57 million. And The Father made 1.6 million. Mank, Trial of the Chicago 7, and Sound of Metal weren't even in theaters, so they don't have 
any other than Mankin trial were in, you know, the Netflix theaters. It had the small, but like they don't mention that as box office. We don't really look at that as box office either. Basically, the opening weekend of Mortal Kombat probably beats all of the best picture numbers combined at the box office. 22.5 million Mortal Kombat. I mean, just doing some quick math here. This is 14, 16. Yeah, Mortal Kombat's opening weekend dwarfs the combined total of all the best picture nominees. And again, obviously a, a strange year. A lot of these movies came out a long time ago when you absolutely couldn't go to the theater. But people at home last night did not go see these movies in the movie theater. And even the films that didn't make it to the theaters. Mm-hmm. Something like Sound of Metal. which really love that movie doesn't matter its highest i think its peak that it could have reached would be something like whiplash level Mm -hmm. which is Mm -hmm. 13 mil domestic Mm -hmm. even that does not would not reach that 17 million hurt locker and then trial of the chicago seven what do you think is a good comp for that do you think it's something like the post Yes. I, I mean, the thing is, the best case scenario, if Trial of the Chicago 7 was a purely theatrical movie in normal time, so we'll do this little exercise, what are what are some of the, the totals we think some of these could have had if they were full releases in a normal year? The, the, the best case for Chicago 7 is the Spielberg adult dramas, you know, your Bridge of Spies... Your, I mean, Lincoln was actually a blockbuster. Lincoln made over a hundred domestic. It was an absurd total. The but Post like, reached eighty-one point nine million domestically. Yeah, that's the best case for something like Chicago Seven, and even with a Best Picture nom nom nom, I don't think that movie makes eighty million. You know, because it doesn't have a. It has a great cast of actors. But it doesn't have a movie star the way the Spielberg movies will have Tom Hanks, you know, as the lead of The Post, as the lead of Bridge of Spies. Yeah. There wasn't a movie star. So I'm thinking Chicago 7, even in its best of times and a best picture nom nom nom, probably tops out around 60 domestic. That's yeah. And that's if it's a hit. That's if it's a hit. I think that's the that's the 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 legitimate best case for what that movie could have done. I mean, maybe it goes crazy and makes seventy, but I feel like that's a movie that tops out at sixty three million. And looking at these best pictures, I mean, it's it's tough at a normal year. The one that could break out could have broken out in a bigger way i mean there is always the chance that like minari goes over 50 because it is like a family movie you know and, and i think that's a movie where if in a normal year had a full theatrical release and got this kind of buzz and the critics got behind it 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 could 
But I mean, more likely the best case for that is like around 30, the usual A24 breakout hits like The Lighthouse and those kind of movies. It's like if they get into 30, that's huge. Um, I don't see Minari being a breakout the way Parasite was or any of those. Yeah. I, I still, I think it still makes not as low as it did, but I think it makes like 10. Yeah, I mean... There's a world in which, in again, normal times, normal year, where Minari makes over 20, maybe 30, with a lot of buzz, and A24 really being able to get behind it. I mean, the only other things, you know, Judas and the Black Messiah got a full theatrical release, but it had the HBO day and date, and also it did come out in January when, you know, the theater business was still a a dead zone. The numbers were bad, COVID, all that. I mean, that sort of got like action movie elements. I see, I do see a world in which that is marketed really hard as sort of an action drama. And, but again, the, 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 the ceiling for even a movie like that is still going to be around 50 million in the best case scenario. So I, I don't know if any of these movies, even in a, in a totally non-pandemic, full theatrical year, I I would think the high water box office mark is going to be like Chicago 7 in the 60s. What do you think Mank would have made? Nothing. Mank yeah, would have been Mank a bomb. would have tanked. If Mank was put out by a, a, a major studio... Full theatrical release, 3,000 screens opening weekend. That is a movie that opens to $6.1 million. And everybody's like, is Fincher done? Yeah. Yeah, Mank would have had zero audience and zero buzz. There's just, it's so niche. It's so up its own butt. There's no movie star. Gary Oldman is is as far as you're going to get from a movie star. What do you think about Promising Young Woman? Because that's one that, that was, could have caught on. That was a film that was supposed to be released earlier. Mm-hmm. We heard about that movie way back in the day. And the yeah. fact that it even came out and became an Oscar movie is insane. Yeah. That that could have caught on. But even at that level, I still think that's a $25 million movie. Yeah, that's a I, movie that if so it was originally supposed to open up in the spring. Like this was going to come out I think April 2020. It was a spring release. And they were definitely marketing it as you know, uh, uh an issues movie but also as like a horror movie. And I think that that's actually the one that has the highest ceiling. I would say of any of these movies, it could have, it could have definitely made exactly what it did now, but there is a, there is a world in which, you know, I think Chicago seven is the one most likely to make the most, but it's ceiling is still in the sixties or maybe 70 promising young woman opening in a normal time, sort of slyly marketed as like a horror thriller has the thing where like there's that weird opening weekend where you're like is this movie opening at 17 million dollars 
There, there. You could see that. The marketing. I see. I think the marketing was bad on this film. Well, the marketing was definitely a little cagey. They catfished us. Yeah, a little bit. The marketing on this, especially I, what I remember back when it was going to get a, a like a full theatrical pre-COVID release. The marketing was definitely a little bit genre-y, horror-y, which, of course, this movie is much more of a, you know, issues drama. Obviously, it's up yeah. for Best Picture and all that. One Best Screenplay. But I do see a world in which that marketing really clicked and the box office kept growing and growing and maybe it opens as the only big release in a, in the springtime and it opens to some like absurd number in the teens and then sticks. So I think promising a woman it, that probably wouldn't have happened, but is the one to me with the highest upside if it had opened in a normal year. It's interesting. So I said catfished, and I meant I didn't mean catfished in the term that people use it now. I I mean catfished in the term of how that movie was marketed, because catfish right. was an, a movie that was originally the way it was marketed. Watch that. If you watch anything today, watch the original trailer for the movie Catfish, mm-hmm. and it makes it look like a horror movie. Yes, and it turns out to be a bad relationship movie, like a weird relationship drama. And I think promising young woman is a, is a good relationship drama, but it's so similar in the way they made it seem like, Oh, this woman is a slasher. There's going to be a lot of deaths and it subverts that. Right. Right. Yeah. Promising young woman ends up being, I think at least to both of us, a much better movie than it's trailer makes you think it will be absolutely i totally agree and but so that could I, have worked at the box office you know uh, there is a world in which that movie gets the sort of you know horror heads and 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 thrill seekers because it's it feels like a little bit of a slasher revenge horror movie in the marketing and therefore it opens big has a lot of buzz people are used to seeing it because of the big opening weekend and you look back, and it's made eighty million or something at the end. There's a, See, I think it's the not horror likely, heads, but they'd be betrayed. They'd feel betrayed. They'd feel yeah, betrayed. Maybe, maybe. But to me, that's the only one that I think had the upside of hitting that kind of ceiling. I think everything else you look at here was destined to not be Baffa Bobo. Again, maybe Judas and the Black Messiah in a normal year. Uh, see, I don't see a that one. a little bit more I, of an action thrillery, you know, uh, audience. Maybe. But again, I, I don't think so. I don't think, I think basically Chicago 7 is a, as a non-Netflix movie. There's a world in which it, it, it gets near the Spielberg drama ceiling, but probably not even. I think the thing with the Oscars is that you're right. This is this year was a turning point because it either has to become a niche award show just for the people who are up for it. 
Yep, just for Soderbergh and his friends hanging out in his backyard with his his expensive cocktails. Or you need to nominate movies people see and care about. And I mean, yes, there are, I'm not poo-pooing these movies. There are social issues. There's things to care about. I understand that. I mean care about in a way where I saw this movie and I liked this movie or I saw this movie and I hated this movie. So I'm rooting for the movie I saw and I loved. And I'm saying that from the perspective of the viewing audience. Right, right. The viewing audience has to have a rooting interest in what they're watching. And these films didn't give anybody a rooting interest. Yeah, I mean, again, the mass populace a rooting interest. And that's the thing. It doesn't have to be for the mass populace, but don't put it on TV or stream it on Netflix. So it's on demand. I don't think, again, it's the film's fault. And I think this year, when it comes to the films and the box office, like, obviously, that's an outlier. I think the big problem in last night's telecast, because the nominees already were decided. We knew who they were. It's based off of what came out this year. Fine. That's an, to me again. That's not the problem. The problem is last night specifically. It was a joyless production. It wasn't a hey, we're back. You know, we're coming out of the pandemic. People are together, and let's put on a big show. You've been watching, you know, these sort of slog award shows all year. Let's put on a big show because you could have Minari. And uh, uh, and Nomadland and uh, Sound of Metal and all of these smaller movies nominated. And you could still bring out Denzel and bring out Julia Roberts and put Ben Stiller in an octopus costume and have a big musical number. And you could still do that and put on a watchable, entertainment-focused telecast and also you could show clips from these movies they didn't show any clips last night they yeah, they, th- they presented the, the, original score and you didn't even get to hear the scores of these movies you you showed best actor and instead of just showing the clip of them doing great acting and maybe getting people to know what these movies are and, and say hey i want to see that now they just had other presenters give like 15 minute speeches about the acting. Like this was not the the fault of what the movies were up. This was squarely the fault of Soderbergh producing this, this TV show as if it was his backyard party where all his friends tell each other how great they are. In the most unseen year for movies where all Mm -hmm. these movies were so unseen to not show any clips is ridiculous. Yeah. And it's the equivalent of the way they they did this, right? Not showing clips, not showing music or explosions for 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 the music categories and for the special effects categories. It's like if there was an award show for cars. Mhm. And they had separate awards for parts of the car. Mhm. But they never showed a car. Right. They never showed a car driving. They never right. showed a car braking. They never right. showed a car. Right. You'd be like, well, why do I care about this specific brake system? I'm not seeing it in motion. I'm not right. seeing it in use. It is 
ridiculous. Right, right. And, and, and on that analogy, look at someone like me who is a coastal elite, New York my whole life, and not much use for driving, so I don't drive. I'm not a car guy. And if you had an award show about cars and I'm flipping through the channels and I happen upon this for a second and you're talking about cars and you're talking about cars and you, you have these car experts telling other car experts about how great their car is, but you never show me the car and you're doing an award for best carburetor and you're talking about these carburetors, but you're never showing me any, an image of it. You're never showing me a carburetor in action. I don't know what a carburetor looks like. And I don't know what the newest cars look like because I'm not driving them. I'm not riding them. And I, it would take me all of 10 seconds to be like, I, I don't get this. I can't listen to people talk about something I haven't seen, something I don't use. Moving on. And I would, I would grab the clicker and I would click the clicker and I'd be on the next channel. Yeah, for a for an award show that's supposed to be about the love of movies, it was more about the love of each other's egos to the point where that's what Oscars get slammed with every year. But now looking at the old ones, looking at the the you know Billy Crystal coming out singing songs about the the nominated films, I'm like, yeah, that's something that anybody could sit through and enjoy. Yeah, yeah, because it's levity put to music. There's and. This is a little off topic, but it is a pet peeve, and they really need to get rid of this, especially this year. It was so stark. Enough with the shorts. We don't need the shorts. They don't mm -hmm. deserve Oscars. The Grammys don't give out awards to mixtapes. Mm -hmm. It is ridiculous at this point. All the shorts should not be given Oscars. That is that is so ridiculous. Wait till the big leagues. Right. Right. So Wait till these people are in the big leagues. So anything else on this? I mean, the, the big thing everyone's talking about, I mean, is the ending of this Oscars, again, where they very clearly were saving Best Actor for Last, which usually Best Picture is always the last award. So this was a very purposeful decision by Soderbergh to make Best Actor be the last award given out because he figured that, of course, we'd end the show on Chadwick Boseman's widow coming out and expecting uh, uh accepting the award and instead anthony hopkins wins the surprise he doesn't even show up and good for anthony hopkins why would you show up to this you know an old man trying to get through a pandemic is going to come all the way to sit in a subway station and and fall asleep so he didn't do that he didn't show up and the award show ends with anthony hopkins is not here i accept this on his behalf good night Said by Joaquin Phoenix, not in Joker makeup, which is so also then, another mess. Yeah, you gotta have him come out as Joker. He he you does the dance, him. have some stairs there for him to dance down. It's yep. so many missed opportunities. I mean, also, could there be an, a more fitting ending if you than end the Joker end, doing that? Yes, yes. If the Joker, when we all were expecting to end the show by honoring the late Chadwick Boseman, if instead it was Joker shocking everyone and joker creating the chaos and then, and then you just then, zoom in on joker's face and you're oh. like was this oscars telecast all in his head that see that was my thing is that you yeah. you then wonder did i see what i thought i saw and right. then that's the best oscar telecast ever right 
right. So that was a huge mistake by Soderberg. I mean, I'm going to guess Joaquin Phoenix would have been up for it, or probably he's probably still contractually obligated for a few more appearances as Joker. I'm sure Warner Brothers could have pointed to a clause in the in the contract that said, you know, we have five more instances where you have to dress up as Joker at Oscar telecasts, at, you know, car wash openings, whatever. And they could have got Bring him that, that big Joker. sign out. Yep. And you get him in the Joker makeup, and Joker is the one who plunges us into chaos. And then this whole Oscar telecast makes sense. You know, this Oscar telecast makes sense if it ends with us thinking, was this whole night just a figment of the Joker's twisted imagination? And then he's carried out like Christ. Yes. yes. Like at the end of Joker. Yep. Yep. That's an ending. The, that's, that's an, an ending, ending, Soderbergh. Yep. You burn Union stations to the ground as, you know, Glenn Close and Francis McDormand and Daniel Kaluuya and all the other nominees. They carry Joker out of the burning Oscar set. And they're all bleeding oil from their eyes. Yeah. Yeah, That that's an ending. That's an ending. That's a missed opportunity. Probably the only thing that would have saved this show is if we just thought we were inside the mind of Joker. Yeah, I love that. And I I hope the Academy is taking notes because Soderbergh's never going to do one of these again. I He's already not. shooting his next uh, film on, a, I don't know, like a... Probably an a, iPhone. A flip phone, yeah. Flip phone, yeah. Flip phone. Yeah, he's just he's doing it flip phone picture by picture. Yep. We totally nailed. We just nailed him. Yep. Got him. So Got him good. I think that's it. I think we did it. I, I think there's one last thing and it's very quick. Over under Academy Awards ratings. Over under eighteen million viewers for under. this under atrocity. Under. Okay, so then let's go how far under? Because I'm saying fifteen mil. I think this could hit 13 million. Whoa, you're going lower. I love that. I think it's so low. It felt from the beginning, it felt so off. Just the look of the way he was shooting it and the fact that it was clear there would not be any razzle-dazzle entertainment aimed at the home viewer that was pretty clear early on. You combine that with... Again, not a fault of the movies or nominees, but it's just a night of movies that people haven't seen. And the fact that this telecast was not aimed at all at entertaining the viewer, at showing them movie clips. I think that this was such a giant tune-out situation. And where also, like this here's, dropped here's like thing. a stone from the from the beginning of the telecast on. Here's the thing. The demo that you wanted, 18 to 34, mm-hmm. was out seeing movies in the yep. theater. Yep. 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 Which in the end is better for all those people in the room. Yes. Because all the people in the room, all the celebrities and producers and filmmakers, it's better off for them that people went out to see Mortal Kombat than stayed home to watch the Oscars on TV because in the end, the only reason they're in that ceremony at all is because the movies make money. Mm-hmm. So, 
a net positive for Hollywood this weekend. It was a bad Oscars telecast. Soderbergh screwed the pooch. But Sub-Zero saved his ass and Demon Slayer saved his ass and the Slackers beat the Trackers. And and quick shout out to the ultimate winner of this weekend, Nick Turner of Yes. Get Rich Nick who was in our Oscar pool had Anthony Hopkins needed Hopkins to win. Yep. And yep. nailed it. I mean, nailed he nailed it. some other ones like the Manx cinematography. He was on point. It was one of the best. I think we all agreed it was one of the best Oscar pool performances we've ever seen. Maybe the best. I think it was the best. Yeah. 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 I mean, and the to- Hopkins thing is such he brought that that Joker chaos energy to his Oscar pool in a way that I've never seen before. And I've been I've been covering the Oscars, betting on the Oscars for for longer than I can remember at this point. I've never seen anything like the 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 closest I can remember is years ago an Oscar pool in which and you know what a a I, I won't say his name but a a, a Hollywood insider mm-hmm. put it all on the line for Meryl Streep winning for Iron Lady and I I, I I I couldn't believe it when it happened, and he got up and he's yelling in our faces. You never bet against Streep. You never bet against Streep. Just it, such aggression from someone who had just won a huge amount of money, but an earned aggression because mm-hmm. we bet against Streep, and 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 he was letting us know how foolish it was, and he won. That was years ago. I think. That is held up to me as the milestone of what I've witnessed, the greatness I've witnessed in Oscar pools, but it's finally been surpassed by Nick Turner of Get Rich Nick and what he did yesterday, winning with Anthony Hopkins as best actor. And don't forget, this comes a year after he won going big on Parasite. Yep. 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 So the man knows his Oscars. This he man knows, knows his Oscars. Rich, listen to Get Rich Nick because this guy knows how to get it done. Yep. And the most recent episode, of course, of Get Rich Nick co-hosted, co-stars, the B.O. Boys. We talked Oscar preview, but it's still something you want to listen to now because, A, the entertainment value, unlike a Soderbergh telecast, is just through the roof, you know, when you put the B.O. Boys with the Get Rich Nicks together all we care about is entertaining the viewers and informing the viewers and the listeners. So listen to that episode. And I'm sure on whatever their next episode of get rich, Nick, I'm sure Nick Turner is going to take us behind the scenes of what he did last night. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm so excited to listen to that episode. He's a friend of ours, but I don't even want to talk to him about it. Now I want to wait to hear it on get rich, Nick, what his mindset was, what are some of the behind-the-scenes anecdotes of how he ended up picking Anthony Hopkins? What he was thinking when he won? I can't wait to hear all that. So I think I think listen. that is must-listen. Email us at theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you thought of, of course, the movies you saw this weekend. But let us know what you thought of Get Rich Nick and uh, the B.O. Boys appearance on Get Rich Nick. We're, we're excited to hear about that, too. So, Pat, we did it. We did it. We did so it. So hard. And yep. so thoroughly. 
Yep. There's nothing left to say. But until next time, we'll, we'll smell you at the box office. office. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it.